listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, we have been on this just like, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 episode arc all about professional modern selling. And it's been eye-opening. It's been enlightening. We've had, I don't know, 12 or more just unbelievably interesting guests but it's also been incredibly serious. And I just got back from vacation about a week ago, as you know, and I don't want to be that serious today. I want to do something a little different. So are you in with me to do something a little different? Yeah. Are you able to flex like that? <laughs> I'll do my best. So, you know, years, you know, well, I, don't know, I say years ago, I don't know how long ago it was. I don't know what episode it was. We did one of our favorite mutual episodes was Marketing Ruins Everything, where we talked about everything that marketing has ruined in the world. And I think we should do a companion piece of that. I think we should do a sales ruins everything because you know there's there's definitely some stuff that sales has ruined along the way. And we've focused on all the good things in in modern selling and sort of the undoing of historical selling, I guess. You know, especially selling out and selling in with Andy. You know, let's talk about what the selling out has done to people. What's it ruined? Man, you're going to pick on these poor sales guys and gals. I mean, they make the world go round. Nothing happens till something gets sold. Now we're going to pick on them. Yeah, it's going good fun. The, the takeaway from our call with Andy was that selling out behaviors were definitely pervasive for a very long time, and they were learned behaviors, and those learned behaviors definitely had an impact on all of us, right? In fact, when we set up this whole series, we talked about kind of like the perception when you ask somebody what they think of when they think of sales, they think of a certain kind of persona, if you will. And that persona usually isn't a very good one, right? It usually it's, it has a negative connotation. And that negative connotation came from somewhere, right? I think selling has ruined more things than we think at times. I have this, you know, there's that old saying, you know, that guy could sell ice to an Eskimo. And that was actually in our opening sequence. I, I shared that quote. And of course, that quote is such a terrible quote because basically it implies that a good salesperson is someone that can convince you to buy something you don't want, don't need, would never need. And there's, there's real cost to that. So anyway, I just thought we could have a little fun to change it, you know, lighten the mood a little bit before we go into some headier topics again around modern sellings. We're going to stay in this thread just a little bit longer. I love it. Let's beat up these poor people. <laughs> things that we've never done, of course. <laughs> I'm not, That's right. That's yeah, right. we would never do these things, of course. Nobody would ever be on the receiving end of these things. So That's um, right. We're such brilliant marketers, we don't have to sell. Yeah. Yes. Full disclosure to listeners, we pre-mill built a list of this. We kind of brainstormed a little bit to kind of think about what it would actually be to see if there was actually a there there. And we concluded that there was. I concluded that my list is much more tactical than Jeff's. So maybe I should go first because it's softer. But Fire away, buddy. So my first one is I think that sales has just ruined your inbox. Like that's sort of the obvious one, right? Like it's like every time you sit down to work each day and you open your email and you're just bombarded with a whole bunch of unwanted questions or unwanted, you know, emails that say, how come you haven't responded to my email last Tuesday? Please, you know, select one of the options below, A, B, C, or D, go away, right? So that's annoying, right? And it's definitely ruined our relationship with the email inbox to the point where we've built whole products to get around using our email platforms, right? Now we use Teams and Slack and other chat mechanisms to avoid the inbox. We use platforms like you know SaneBox to try to weed the noise out of the system. So we actually took a product that was incredibly useful when it was first created and turned it into something that most of us actually physically hate and don't want to ever use. So 
And I think it's it's just easy to blame sales for that, right? I mean, there's obviously other reasons, but maybe more fun to blame sales. Yeah, I definitely feel that. That's probably one of the few areas where sales and marketing seem to be working together. Working together, working together to ruin something. Yeah, and the technology. We've talked so much about technology. There are a lot of technologies that our listeners may not have even be familiar with you know, that are out there stripping emails and building lists that enable that type of stuff. And it just seems like some of those technologies are getting more and more pickup because every day it's just more and more of those silly emails coming in. And I don't know if the sales team are finding that that type of approach is working or they figure everybody else is doing it. I might as well throw my hat in the ring and and do it. But Either way, it ruins your email box. Yeah, you're right ruined on. Your, it ruined your inbox. I thought of another one while we were going, and we, we won't spend time on it. But like, you know, obviously, it ruined the the residential phone line, right? Because you couldn't you could ruin dinner. You couldn't sit down and have dinner without getting a phone call. From someone wanting to sell you something. Man, you're so old. <laughs> I am crazy old. I got the hairline to prove it, Jeff. <laughs> All right. That's the softball, right? Sales ruined the inbox. You know, I'll let you take it from there. Well, give me something that sales has ruined. Well, because you're the time police, I got to get all my big ones in right out of the gate. Yeah. You got to go fast. Got to go fast. I think sales ruins brands. Yeah. Probably not intentionally, but it's the nature of, of the beast. When I work with clients, I always share this adage that they need to keep in mind is how you sell me is how you serve me. And because we've talked about how buyers don't differentiate between marketing, sales, and client delivery, they call it all one thing, you know, known as client experience. How you sell builds brands. It could be building you a a positive brand or it could be building you a negative brand. And when firms are selling out instead of selling in, as you kicked off, you're building a negative brand. It's that simple because the brands, and we've said this time and time again, are built by every interaction that the market has with your firm. And if you're selling in a way that's inconsistent with the brand you want, you need to change it. And I think so many salespeople, and it's the nature of the beast, so I don't want to beat them up too badly, think short term. They think monthly quota, quarterly quota, annual quota. Let's close some kind of business. Let's get revenue in the door. And when salespeople chase opportunities that are misaligned with the brand and the ideal client and the things you want to be known for, you're eroding your brand. So, yeah, so much of that harkens back into the episode with Andy Paul where he talked about that. It's interesting because I, I'm going to dovetail that a little bit in that it's obvious that if you have a culture of selling out, a culture that, like you said, is short-term focused, quota-driven, trying to get the deal done without much regard as to whether or not the client's a right fit or the, or the firm can solve the problem, that that's potentially going to erode your brand. I'm going to take it one layer beyond that though and say, I think there are instances when you can do all the right things, you can sell in, you can be in the moment that that sort of like trusted advisor type of role into the sale. But if there is a need service mismatch, 
you all rode the brand anyway. That happened to me, actually. I hired a consulting firm in the early days of the Great Recession. And the person who came in, the lead that came in to, to, to sort of sell me, I guess, did a great job of selling in. Really good listener. Really helped understand kind of like the situation that we were facing and how we were trying to navigate it. But at the end of the day, they weren't capable of solving it. And so even though I hired them, I learned the hard way they couldn't solve it. And that eroded the entire brand, right? So it's like, I think there's this notion that the salesperson is a hunter that's job is to go get deals. And if you can, you know, rip that out of your culture and make it, no, 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 the salesperson is an advisor who's all about trying to get, you know, service product need match and make sure that we can actually solve the problems the client has and do it well. And then, like you said, that collapses the experience and that builds the brand. So that's a great point. I'll take it one step further. Let's say you have a phenomenal salesperson who does sell and gives such a great experience that even client service delivery (laughs) can't match. Can't match. Right. Yeah. So, so they could solve the problem, but the way in which they solve the problem and how the sales person created you know, a very client-centric experience, but the client service delivery lacks that client centricity. Now you have, again, as you said, the mismatch. It's interesting yeah. because I love that you point out brand. I mean, obviously we're being a little aggressive with the title of the, of the episode, Sales Ruins Everything. And, and But I think it's like, maybe the point here is that sales can destroy or build the brand. What, what are you doing, right? And I don't remember where the data comes from, but this idea that like, is it Gartner's work where they, they talk about this idea that really the sales experience is the key point of differentiation now because everything else has sort of been, you know, commoditized down to, to, to the same thing. And so it seems to me like that's your best opportunity to build brand, but they're probably more often destroying than not in a lot of organizations is kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. Although in sales defense, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, the firms that I've worked in and, and clients as well, there are salespeople that are exceptional at providing a consistent and very positive brand experience. But they're very cognizant of that. And the firms make sure that they are selling consistent with the firm. And Brian Caffarelli touched on that a long time ago in our, you know, good revenue, bad revenue. Yeah. The leadership team is really on task for making sure that the sales team is selling consistent with the brand and chasing pursuits that are consistent with what the firm wants to be known for. It's funny because... You know, you wonder how many decades of selling out behavior it took to basically sully the reputation of sales as a profession, right? Because if you think about our own personal experiences, if I think about my own personal experiences buying services, I would say the majority of those experiences have been positive. Yet, if you ask someone to to connote off the top of their head, you know, what a salesperson is and what a sales experience is like, usually that reference is negative. So it's like, We've been predisposed to assume it's going to be negative. Hence, you know, sales ruins everything, right? All right, Jeff, well, let's move away from brand here. Why don't you toss another one out there? What's what's something else that sales has ruined? This one is probably unfair, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. CRM. And by CRM, I mean the technology. You know, this is a tool under the best circumstances was really designed to increase productivity of salespeople. But also, and I, I, as a marketer, more important to me is to institutionalize knowledge of the client and the client relationship to provide insights 
into the world that most of the organization doesn't get to see, but sales is privy to every day. And in my experience, sales sees CRM as a hindrance because it's just a tool where they have to put stuff into it and that the tool doesn't really help them be productive. It just allows Big Brother to watch them. Yeah. And it's a shame because that's not the way best firms use CRM. They use CRM as a sales productivity tool in its truest sense. They're saying, hey, your time is valuable. We want to make sure you're as productive as possible in terms of of documenting your activities, but more importantly, that those key measures of, of sales productivity are improving, right? Sales cycle time and lead effectiveness and close rates and all of those things. But I think sales has gotten to the point where they just say, ah, I'm not going to put anything in there. (laughs) Or they're just putting in those opportunities once they look like they're about to close. And we really miss out on all of that good learning that actually would help everyone. It's interesting because I I would imagine that if you asked a sales salesperson, a person who makes their living on the front lines of selling things, many of them would probably say that CRM was ruining sales the other way around, right? Like that that CRM is, is is a hindrance to getting my day job done. It's always in the way. I have to track all these tasks and activities. It's a waste of my time. It doesn't give me useful insight. So why am I wasting my time? So it's maybe a two way street there. You know, it's kind of like, you know, CRM hasn't done a good job of helping sales people, people that are responsible. It's like it spent all of its energy on trying to document and manage the pipeline and, and create visibility up the organization and not enough energy figuring out how do they actually make the day-to-day jobs of the sales people better. That would be a great topic for a podcast. Do you think maybe we should do one of those? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Tune in next week, listeners, because we're going to cover that specific topic. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. All right, well, I'll throw one out there. I'll throw out another list of the tactical and obvious, but but it kind of dovetails with the email inbox, but I would say sales has just ruined LinkedIn, right? What was a useful place to just have conversations, have interactions, make connections, build relationships, learn about people, has become an endless barrage of unwanted connection requests. And we've all fallen victim to it at some point, but we're both interested in XYZ. So why don't don't we connect on LinkedIn? Now, the funny thing is, is the vast majority of those actually have no follow on. So there's like no, like, if you, if you take the bait, there's almost, there's like no next step. There's just like some assumption that the connection magically happens and then we're in business or something. I don't know. It made LinkedIn a place you don't really want to go sometimes, right? You don't really want to open LinkedIn for fear of, you know, the, the laundry list of connection requests that you don't want. So super tactical, but again, a couple of tools that were really useful, the email inbox, the LinkedIn platform, <laughs> suddenly not, not as useful as they used to be. Again, sales and marketing collaborating on that effort. Yeah. <laughs>
And it's funny because, you know, I have seen firms and when you use it the right way, it can be a really effective way to start a conversation with a prospect. But the problem is so many people have used it the wrong way that it's made it harder to use it the right way and start dialogues and it's put people on their heels. So, and that's a shame. What else you got on your list? Another big one. I think sales has ruined marketing. (laughs) I'm sure the sales organization feels it's the other way around. (laughs) You know, that's why I put it on the list. You know, this managing this tension between sales and marketing is really the purpose of sales and marketing leadership in my mind. It's hyperbole for sure to say sales ruined marketing. But in the professional services world, you know, we see this with different types of industries where marketing has become nothing more than a proposal yeah. uh, function, pure sales support, i.e., make my PowerPoint pretty or just manage my event so I can press the flesh with people. And sales and the organization aren't asking for or getting the real depth of knowledge and expertise that marketing should be bringing to the table. You know, the insights about the market, about the buyers, about the product, what people want, what they don't want, what's going on with the customer experience. All of those things where the magic really happens because sales has either become so disaffected with marketing or they just don't understand what marketing is capable of. They've relegated them this to this very tactical adjacency, if you will. It's nothing more than gophers for sales. And I think that's a big disappointment. And it's a disservice to marketing. And marketing should step up and push back on that and help sales understand how they could really help them. Well, it's interesting because it feels to me like what you just said dovetails with your comments about time horizons. So, you know, sales has kind of ruined long-term thinking, I think is the way you said it. And I feel like it's the same thing here. Like the thing that I've bumped into in a lot of firms over and over again is when we talk to them about marketing, we talk to them about thought leadership. Their impression is that, well, we've got a revenue target for this year and we need this thought leadership to, you know, to deliver that, right? Like we need whatever the number is. $5 $5 million in new revenue, and how much is the thought leadership program going to, going to yield for that? And I always just try to kind of reset their thinking and say, well, time out. You know, thought leadership to me is about building tomorrow's revenue. We talked about that with Mark Wainwright in the, in the, in the pipeline cliff. It's like, you know, your, your objective with thought leadership and your objective with most marketing in a firm is to position the firm as, you know, a leading voice on an issue that really matters to a client to position the firm as an expert in that domain, to position the firm, build brand relevance, as you like to say, in in a certain topic, a certain issue, a certain client problem with a certain type of client. And revenue that it yields in the next six months is, is a byproduct. It's a Nice win. It's an it's an unexpected win. But what it's supposed to do is position you for the opportunities you want to get nine months, 12 months, 15 months out. So that when people think of, oh my gosh, you know, we really have a problem with application of artificial intelligence in our business. We don't really know what we have no AI strategy. Who do we go through to for that? Right. That's what you're trying to own is that opportunity. And that opportunity is down the down the line. And whatever shows up in the short term is just sort of an added benefit. And that's in its purest form, how I like to think about it. But, and I agree, I think it's, it's like sales and marketing are kind of fighting this battle of like, do we put resources against, you know, the short term, the next three months, the next six months, or do we put resources against the long term? As you always say, 
it's not should you be more strategic or more ta- more tactical. It should be both. But it seems like the short term is winning more often than the long term, and I just think that's a dangerous place to be for a firm. That's a great one. You stirred up in my mind. My last one on the list of what what sales has ruined is brochures. <laughs> I hate brochures. Are there any, do, do, do people have brochures anymore out of curiosity? Oh my gosh. Oh, you'd be surprised. When salespeople come to marketing and say, we need a brochure, I know that that's probably a salesperson that cannot sell because they need a crutch. Like a brochure is going to tell the compelling story to a buyer and solidify it in their mind or at least give them something to reference if they can't take it all in. But I think what sales has done more than ruin brochures in the fact that they demand them, what they want to do is turn true thought leadership into a brochure. And instead of coming out with innovative thinking, the thought leadership becomes brochureware around a specific solution. And I think one of the things that annoys me the most as a buyer, and I've seen this from clients and prospects as well, is when you're you're supposed to be sharing ideas and a point of view when really all you're doing is selling me your solution under the auspices of thought leadership. Yeah. Oh, that just annoys me to to no end. And I think I'm probably representative of the way clients react to that. And if your thought leadership isn't having a take up, it's either because it's not original or you're spending too much time on your solution. Yeah. You know, I, I instead gonna, of your thinking and point of view. Exactly what I was gonna say. It was like I continue to see this, just just this idea that, you know, a firm, even in thought leadership, they'll put forth a really cool solution. Hey, this is how, you know, our clients should think about this topic. And it's really interesting and it's really engaging, and you're sort of drawn in. And then you have to pause and say, Well, time out though. What's the problem? Why does the client need this again? What's wrong with the current solution? Is the current solution even broken? Well, this is just a better one, but the current one's fine. So why would I invest in a better one if the current one's working to meet its needs, right? Like, help me out here, you know? So, and sometimes it's, you know, it may be a better one. We're not really sure. <laughs> I think it is. So yeah, I like that one a lot too. It's funny when you mentioned it, I actually had a different picture of where you were headed than where you went. And I went back to my old days back when we used to develop a lot of marketing brochures, a lot of literature for organizations, sales organizations. And what I always found interesting was you'd spend a ton of time and energy working with the sales folks to understand what they needed. You'd put a ton of marketing resources against trying to produce something that you thought really was what they wanted. And then you found out six months later, they weren't using it. They were deconstructing it and taking it apart and, re- and building something else that they wanted, that they wanted to use differently, but they never told you. <laughs> so you, you fell in the same trap again the next time you had to do it. And it just it went over and over again. And I th- actually, I thought that's where you were going, but I think where you went is even better. So, all right. At the risk of ruining our listeners' days, we're, we're short on time. So maybe we should flip the script. We did this in the Marketing Ruins Everything episode when we did this a couple years ago, and we ended on a positive note. So, so what? What are some great things that sales has brought us and brought to, could be society, it could be to firms, it could be to anything? What are some things that we say, man, sales really brought us that? I think that the best salespeople do what only the best salespeople can do, and that's meet people where they are one-to-one and build relationship. Without that, nothing happens. 
And that's why they get paid the big bucks. Yeah. The best ones can come in and analyze a situation and match those needs and solutions. The great ones are able to say, we can help you. And they can say, we can't help you, but I can help you find someone that can. And that's when the sales experience becomes really positive. And when this, as you described it, long-term phenomenon where we look at sales in a very negative light begins to turn positive. And we start to rewrite that story about sales and why people really will soon want to talk to sales instead of avoid them. Yeah, I've been trying to come up with a a replacement moniker for that. So instead of it being, he could sell ice to an Eskimo, it should be something like, he could help even the most helpless person find the path to what they want or something along those lines. Something that implies that that modern reference of sales is helping. And the the best, like you said, man, man, they're so good at that. And they go out of their way. They go out of their way to help you even when it absolutely has no benefit for them. They're going to get nothing out of them of, of helping you in a situation where they don't have a product or solution for you, but they just do it because they they can. And I think that that's you know a great way to end. We are going to continue this journey a little bit longer. I keep saying that. I've, how many times have I said that at the end of an episode? We're going to stay on this modern selling thread a little bit longer, but I think we just keep finding interesting things to talk about and interesting people to talk to. So we have a couple really interesting guests coming up here. And we're going to be spending some time talking about sales tech some more. So we'll have a little bit more in that genre. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm glad we took this pause to talk about everything that sales and now not marketing and sales have now ruined. So we'll have to pick other functions <laughs> of the business to pick on. HR, we're coming for you. I'm teasing. Yeah, HR, we're coming for you. <laughs> All right, Jeff. See you, buddy. See ya. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.